Good morning, friends and family. Thank you for joining me. This is Gail Manasak with City Changers, Illinois. I want to talk a little bit about salvation. Um, Not just salvation, but victorious salvation. And the importance of some of the most important things that really have stood out to me lately. You know, as human beings, we face fears every day of our lives, every day of our lives. These can be maybe external fears. Maybe there's, you know, situations like financial difficulties or sickness or uh, relational type problems. Or they can be from within, fear that I'm not good enough, fear that uh, God is not pleased with my life or just so many different fear of loneliness and that's just to name a few because there's plenty of fears that the enemy brings up and uses against us but if we're not careful even as Christians we can end up living our lives full of worry and fear and that's what we don't want to do that's not God's desire for us God gave us perfect love so that we can live in confidence instead of fear So how do we as Christians obtain this kind of confidence? First of all, we need to be confident in our salvation. When we are saved, we are born again into God's family. The scripture tells us these things. The scripture says that we become God's children. We become co-heirs with Christ. This means that God has provided everything we need for life and for godliness. So in other words, God can take our physical and spiritual needs, or excuse me, he can take care of our physical and our spiritual needs. It doesn't matter. He can take care of us, period. God has uh, also promises us eternal life when we put our confidence in Christ. So as God's children, we can be confident in our relationship with God the Father, We can also always please him. We are enough. We can keep his commandments because we love him. When we realize the sufficiency of the relationship that we have with God through Christ's redemption, we have nothing to fear. We do not need to be anxious. God has given us all power over the power of the enemy. We don't need to be anxious about anything. So even when we sin, God forgives us if we confess our sins to him. So living a Christian life becomes easy when we understand our, the fullness of our salvation. Keeping God's commandments is no longer a burden to us because if we do it and we're doing it out of our love for him, it's definitely not a burden. When we become born again, we we obtain victory in our lives over this world, over sin, over death. God pours the rain of his salvation into our hearts and the, the, the rain of our hearts with faith so much that it overflows into rivers of love flowing out to others. So to have this confidence, we need, of course, to have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, if you have not done that, now would be the time to stop right here, pause this message, and invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to forgive your sins and mean it. 
Give your life to him so that he can live inside of you. This is what it means to be born again. It's actually a very simple thing to do if you have it in your heart. You know, you have to do it and mean it. And then when our hearts are filled with the love of God, we can be confident in ourselves. We can be confident in the gifting and the abilities that God has given us. We can be confident in ourselves because God loves us. And then the, the fullness of our heart, the reservoirs of our heart are not filled uh, by money or success or even church attendance or church programs and duties and all that stuff but the reservoirs of our hearts are filled with God's love amen only and then the confidence in ourself that is based on Christ's love is not pride or arrogance on the contrary prideful and arrogant people are quite insecure in themselves It's this deep secret insecurity that drives them to pride, arrogance, and self-promotion, actually. You'll notice that those people will self-promote. People who truly believe in God's love for them are confident in themselves and are able to freely love others. Um, The less that we worry about Proving our own worth, the more that we're able to freely care for others and the world around us. God's love being filled up in our hearts and salvation must fall into our hearts first. Then we will be secure enough to love others. If we don't have God's love in our heart, we don't have true salvation. We haven't really... Maybe you're a believer and you haven't asked Jesus to come into your heart. You don't have the fullness of that salvation within you. You have not received that born-again experience. Then you don't have assurance. You don't have the assurance that you need. You don't have the security in your life that you need. But when we are filled with God's love, when we are filled with Jesus Christ, when we are able to truly understand ourselves, being confident in God's love, We become a a gift to the world around us. In Christ, we know exactly who God created us to be and what he gifted us with. We're able to function fully in our divine calling when we have true confidence in our God-given abilities. So this right here is a blessing. It's a blessing to the church. It's a blessing to the world. We need to know God's love for us. Then... We will be confident to remain the person that he has determined for us to be. No matter what people, um, people confident in God's love for them do not give in to things like, say, peer pressure or worry or doubt or fears about the opinions of others. Each person was born an original amen you are an original there's no copies there's no copy of you you're the one and only and god loves you so much when our hearts are filled with god's love we bless other people you can 
You can be a better mother. You can be a better father as you spend quiet time with the Lord. You know, a lot of us are are running on empty in our family lives at work and at work. We'll be better selves. We'll be more confident, more loving when we fill up ourselves with the word of God, with our quiet time with God, his actual presence in us. We have more to give. You have nothing to give without him. You know that um, the Bible says that within us, within our, I I can't remember if it says our hearts or within us, and I think it was Paul that said it, dwells no good thing. There's nothing good about you or within you without God. Amen. And there are only two ways, you know, that you are either serving God or you're serving the devil. And all that you have to give, actually, out of your heart is going to be from whoever you're serving. So if you're serving God, you're going to be filled with his love. You're going to be filled with his kindness, his goodness, and mercy. And you're going to be able to give all that out. I'm going to talk about that. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you're not serving God and you're serving the God of this world, which is the devil, that's what you've got to give out is a bunch of negativity. A bunch of ungodliness. So as as God fills our hearts with love, we're able to overflow with love. The rivers of Christ's love can freely flow to others in our lives, our family, our friends, and our neighbors. We can love those uh, sinners that are, uh, maybe they've been friends of ours, but they don't want to continue to be friends because we've given our life to Christ and our life has changed. So we don't have the same desires they do. But we can love God. We can love people generously because we do not serve God out of our own strength. We serve him out of the overflow of his strength in us. So we, we, we don't love others out of our own will. We love others because God's love overflows from our hearts. The reign of God's love in our lives is revealed by our our hearts being filled with, I want to say, rivers of living water, like the Bible says, which would be everything good, the love, the peace, the everything good about Jesus, amen, the rivers of God. In other words, we know that, that someone believes in Christ because the individual loves other people. We can tell that. God's presence in our hearts is evident to people in how we live our lives. They're watching us. People are watching you. So if you're living your life in truth in Christ, they're seeing Christ in you. If you're living your life as a hypocrite, they're not seeing Christ in you. And you you will be held accountable for that because you're representing outwardly the kingdom of God and people are looking at you and saying, if that's the kingdom of God, I don't want it. Now, that's a shame. In today's uh, world, many people believe in the, the love in their own hearts, but they don't believe in God's, the, the reign of his salvation, because that's what puts love in our hearts. 
It overflows us with love and joy and peace. People attempt to be nice to everyone and they they love others out of their own willpower. They love others out of their own strength, out of their own understanding. But you know what? Those those reservoirs of love and will through willpower, strength, and their own understanding are going to run dry. You look at them when they go through a trial. You look at them when they go through depression or something that's um, a real trial for them. They're going to have nothing to give you because they have nothing left. They would be depleted. But through salvation, but through a relationship with God, a person can constantly have this love, God's love, and is then able to love others unconditionally, even through trials. They will still love. They will still be good to others. Faithful love brings free-flowing rivers. When we realize the, the faithfulness of the love of God, that knowledge brings freedom into our lives. We can love others and we can give because we know that God provides. You know what? We pray because God has a will and we want to know and obey that. We want to know what God's will is for our life and obey that. We read the Bible and we trust what it says because the love of God and the promises of God falls into our hearts through God's word. So that's what we want. Amen. We need that love of God. We need our hearts to be filled with his love and his presence. And that's actually reading the word of God as how faith arises. And then we're able to fulfill all God's commandments and do it with joy, even through our trials. If we quit believing that God is the provider of the love in our hearts and and all that God has given us, then you know what? We're going to hoard our reservoirs and we'll make sure our rivers are small. So human nature is fallen and it's selfish. Read the Bible and you'll find that out. Don't read the Bible. Just look at yourself and you'll find that out. If you look at yourself honestly, we have a fallen nature and we are a selfish people. Jesus said that we can do nothing without him. We cannot fulfill God's commands, God's commandments to love him and to love our neighbor as our own self. But if we let the love of God fill our hearts, we will overflow with that love for others. God, you know, God is a God of abundance. We are not lacking in anything. Then I want to talk about the uh, commandments a little bit. The scripture tells us that God's commandments are not burdensome. In fact, God's commandments are a blessing to our lives. They're not difficult. Life, on the other hand, can be burdensome. We need to recognize the difference. There's a complexity to life. Our daily existence can be full of burdens. There is, however, a simplicity to following God's commandments. When we obey the word of God, he will bless us amidst the burdens of life. The simplicity of the commandments of God will help us in the complexity of life. 
So even though life can be complex, it can be burdensome, it can be difficult, it can be so challenging, obeying God is always the right. It's always right. So in other words, there is never a wrong time to do the right thing. When we obey God's commands, we're able to confidently say this to him. Father, I am not the one making the rules of how life has played out. I obey your commandments. Now I want to watch you do what you can do. So now, friends, when you do that, God will do what he promised. The Bible says that his promises are yes and amen. So you can trust God. You can trust him to always fill the reservoir of your heart and to guide the flow of your rivers, amen, where he wants them to go. So once you start to define the rivers, you begin to negate the rain. So let God flow in your heart and let God take care of the commandments. You just need to live them out. And when you follow Christ, you will be blessed. The Bible says that God who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Therefore, you can live your life with confidence. When we are filled with God's love, we can be confident in our our Christian life. We can be confident in our giving. We can be confident in our worship, in our discipleship to others. We can be confident because He is working through us. He is living through us. That river is flowing through us. We can live our lives and we can live them without fear. We can live them without worry. And when God's when God's love lives in our hearts, we can confidently declare, along with the Apostle Paul and the saints of old, God is for us. Who then can be against us? Amen. Then I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Excuse me, because you need the Spirit of God to live for God. The Bible says the Spirit of God is with you, but he shall be in you. And if you remember in Acts, uh, Peter said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So that's like a separate um, action or or whatever you want to call it that we have to do a a separate, I can't even think of the word, but we need, uh, life is difficult. Let me go here. It's burdensome. It's complex. Following Christ requires the Holy Spirit. So we can't, we can't just power our way into loving people unconditionally. We can't fulfill God's commandments out of our own sinful nature. I think I spoke about that earlier a little bit. The Bible tells us that our flesh is weak. It's unable to please God. That's exactly why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. He left us the Holy Spirit as our helper. So when Jesus died on the cross, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Since the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in our hearts, he gives us life and empowers us to live according to God's will. So if you don't have him in you, it's going to be a lot harder to try to live God's will without the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater and stronger than anything 
we can produce in our own flesh. And then if if we want to win in life, we can do that by embracing the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's there to, to be our helper, to teach us all things, to bring everything to our memory. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to witness to others. He gives us the power to withstand sin. The Holy Spirit makes us victorious. And in closing, let me say this. We cannot walk this life alone. We have to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We do not have to. But we must if we're going to win, if we're going to be victorious. We can be confident that God will never leave us. He will never, ever forsake us. And for those of you that don't quite know much about that, go back and read the book of Acts and see where the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2 and how he gave them power to become the sons of God. Amen. morning friends and family this is a devotional from um, Andrew Murray Andrew Murray devotional and um, this is about uh, our fellowship with God actually the three persons in the Godhead are the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and each one is different from the others, just as each one of us is an individual, God desires to reveal himself as a person. He will reveal himself, and it is it's our holy calling to enter into the fellowship with him. So God greatly desires this fellowship with man, but sin has come between man and his God. Even in the Christian who thinks he knows God, there's oftentimes there's great ignorance of and even indifference to this personal relationship of love for God. People believe that at conversion their sins are forgiven, that God accepts them so that they may go to heaven and that that they should try to do God's will, but the idea is strange to them that they may may and must each day have this blessed fellowship with God just as a father and his child on earth have pleasure in fellowship. So God gave us Jesus, his son, in order to bring us to himself. But this is only possible when we live in close fellowship with Jesus. Our relationship to the Lord Jesus rests on his deep, tender love for us. We're not able in ourselves to reciprocate this love to him. But the Holy Spirit will do the work in us. And for this, we need to do, or we need separate to separate ourselves each day from the world and turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ so that he may pour out his love in our hearts. As we see in Romans 5, verse 5, 
and so that we may be filled with a great love for him. So meditate quietly on this thought. Take time to believe in his personal fellowship. Tell God of your love. Say to him, Lord, you have loved me dearly. Therefore, I earnestly desire to love you above all others. Tell the Lord that. Be honest with God. Be truthful always with God. And then because the Lord Jesus was a person, he had his own individual name. His mother, his disciples, and all his friends called him by his name, Jesus. But they probably thought little of of what that name meant. And the majority of Christians today hardly know what a treasure is contained in that name, Jesus. Quote, he shall save his people from their sins. Many think of his death on the cross or of his work in heaven as our intercessor, but they do not realize that Jesus is a living person in heaven who thinks of us each day and longs to reveal himself. He desires us to bring him our love, our adoration each day. Christians will pray to Jesus to save them from their sins. But they know very little how the blessed work is done within us. The living Christ reveals Christ, excuse me, reveals himself to us, and through the power of his love, the love of sin is expelled from us. So it's through personal fellowship with him that Jesus saves us from our sins. We are going from glory to glory. We're being transformed every day as we submit our lives to the Lord. So he goes on to say, I must come as an individual with my heart and all the sin that is in it to Jesus as an almighty personal Savior in whom God's holiness dwells. And as he and I continue together in the expression of mutual love, and desire by the work of his Holy Spirit in my heart. His love will expel, his love will expel and conquer all the sin. So, um, how do I do that? Lose my place like that so easily. So we will find the secret of happiness and holiness and fellowship with Jesus each day. You know what? Your your heart will long for the hour of prayer as the best hour of the day as you learn to take time to be alone with him. Each day, you'll experience his presence, enabling you to love him, to serve him, and to walk in his ways throughout the day. How amazing is that? Through his unbroken fellowship, you'll learn the secret of the power of a truly, truly godly life. And then we have a lesson of the greatest importance. When we are alone in the inner chamber, we must send up our petitions, trusting implicitly in the love of God, and in the power of the Lord Jesus, taking time 
to ask yourselves the question, is my heart full of a great and steadfast faith in God's love? If this is not the case, do not begin to pray just yet. Amen. Faith does not come by itself or of itself. Let's just consider quietly how impossible it is for God to lie. He's already with, uh, already with infinite love to give you a blessing. Psalm 29:11. Take some passage of scripture in which God's power, faithfulness, and love are revealed. Take hold of the words and say, "Yes, Lord, I will pray in firm faith in you." And in your great love. So it it's not a mistake to limit the word faith to the forgiveness of sins. And to our acceptance as children of God. Faith includes far more than this. We must have faith in all that God is willing to do for us. We must have faith each day according to our special needs. God is so infinitely great and powerful. And Christ has has so much grace for each day that our faith must reach out afresh each day according to the need of that day. So when you enter into the inner chamber, then before you begin to pray, ask yourself, do I really believe that God is here with me and that the Lord Jesus will help me to pray? Do I believe that I, I can expect to spend a blessed time in communion with God? Yes, you know what? Jesus often taught his disciples how indispensable faith was to true prayer. He will teach you this lesson too. So remain in fellowship with him and ask him to strengthen your faith in in his almighty power. Christ says to you, And to me, as he did to Martha, say, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. We can find that in John 11, verse 40. And that's amazing. The word of God, our Lord compares the, the word of God to our daily bread. So, teaching us a great lesson, we know bread is indispensable to life, right? We all understand this, however uh, strong a person might be, if he has no nourishment, he's going to grow weaker, and he's eventually going to die. So, if an illness prevents me from eating, I'm going to die. It's the same with the Word of God. The Word contains a heavenly principle and works powerfully in those who believe. So bread must be eaten. I may know all about bread. I may have bread, and I may give it to others. I may have bread in my house, and I might have it on my table in great abundance, but that will not help me unless I eat it similarly Just a mere knowledge of God's word and even the preaching of it to others will not benefit me. It's not enough to think about it. Rather, I, I 
must feed on God's word and take it into my heart and take it into my life. In love and obedience, I must take hold of the words of God and let them take full possession of my heart. You know, it's just like the other day we were praying, me and a couple other uh, young intercessors, that we just want the the Word of God to enter into us. Like, like uh, who was it that ate the scroll? I want to say Ezekiel, but it probably might not have been Ezekiel. But anyway, um, we want that Word to enter into us. That Word is, is the Word of life. So... Bread must be eaten daily, and the same is true of the Word of God. The psalmist wrote, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate both day and night. Psalms 1, verse 1 and 2. Oh, how I love the thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalms 119, verse 97. So to secure a strong and a powerful spiritual life and intake um, of God's word every day is indispensable. We have to be ingesting his word every single day. So when he was on earth, the Lord Jesus learned love and he obeyed the word of the Father. So if you seek fellowship with him, You're going to find him in his word. Christ will teach you to commune with the Father through the word. Just as he did on earth. You'll learn, like he did, to live solely for the glory of God and the fulfillment of his word. And then, last but not least, in regard to obedience, God gave a command to Israel when he gave them the law. He said, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 11:4. But Israel had no power to keep the law. So God gave them a new covenant to enable his people to live a life of obedience. And we read, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts. It says in Jeremiah 31, 33, I will put my my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Jeremiah 32, 40, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Ezekiel 36, 27. So these wonderful promises gave Israel the assurance that obedience would be their delight. So see what the Lord Jesus said about obedience. He said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. John 14, 21. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Verse 23. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. John 15, 10. So these words are an exhaustible uh, treasure. Through faith, we can firmly trust that Christ, trust Christ Jesus to enable us to live such a life of love and obedience. 
No father can train his children unless they are obedient, right? No teacher can teach a child who continues to disobey him. So no uh, general can lead his soldiers to victory without prompt obedience. So pray to God. Pray that God will actually imprint this lesson on your heart. The life of faith is a life of obedience. As Christ lived in obedience to the Father, so we too need obedience for a life in the love of God. Um, the Bible goes on to say, I cannot be obedient, it is impossible. Yes, impossible to you, but not to God. He has promised to, quote, cause you to walk in his statutes, Ezekiel 36, 27. So in closing, I want you to pray and meditate on these words. And the Holy Spirit will enlighten your eyes so that you will have power to do God's will. Let your fellowship with the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ have his or excuse me have this as its one aim a life of quiet determined unquestioning obedience that is all we need so we've got to expect that we come to Jesus Whoops, the, the cross of Christ. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to do that in my next reading. I'm going to go ahead and stop there. And thank you for joining me. As we serve the Lord, we can't expect to come to God and and live in the way that we lived prior to knowing Jesus. When we come to Jesus and we receive that uh, transform life, our life is going to change. If your life hasn't changed since you come to know Jesus, there's something wrong there. So I, I just want to encourage you to seek him further, to be honest with God, and to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul.